It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, and welcome to the Minnesota Football Party. Today, we'll be talking about takeaways from the Broncos game. We're going to be constructing a 53-man roster. Each of us is going to take on a different position. And we'll be discussing the biggest mistake the Vikings made minutes before recording this podcast. It's the Minnesota Football Party. Thank you, Arif Hassan. He is the cold open master. <laughs> Luke Inman and Luke Braun join us as well. My name's Sam Ekstrom. Uh, thanks for joining us on the free and available Minnesota Football Party, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Subscribe and get this show, the Ron Johnson Show, Superior Sports Talk. Let's jump into the massive mistake Arif discussed. The Vikings have cut T.Y. McGill. He of three and a half preseason sacks. He of eight NFL teams and eight years experience. He's been cut 14, nope, now 15 times as the Vikings have released him the day before cutdown day. Um, Arif, is this the biggest mistake in Vikings franchise history? Uh, it's difficult to see it any other way. Maybe I'm being caught up in the moment, but it's, it's, I mean, how many guys have three and a half sacks in the preseason? Not many. How many guys have three and a half sacks in the preseason for your team? Not many. How many of you guys have three and a half sacks for your team in the preseason from the defensive tackle position? Not many. It is difficult to find a player of T.Y. McGill's caliber, although I suppose eight other teams did, in fact, do that. Uh, but I, I just don't see how the Vikings have the ability to recover from this. And the sack dance, which happened to be his initials. He's doing, like, the YMCA out there after each sack. It was so perfect. Just one last <laughs> T.Y. One last T.Y. for the road. Yep. <laughs> Now, are we um, assuming this because of the injury, correct? I mean, this ankle injury doesn't happen be. Saturday night. They, imagine, they yeah. find a way, right? They find a way to keep yeah. this guy in the roster, right? We, we had to ask a lot yeah. of questions about injuries after the game and uh, did not get around to T.Y. McGill. Focused a little bit more on uh, Andrew Booth and uh, B.C. Johnson and all them. So, Well, we wouldn't know about the injuries because the Vikings broadcast doesn't show them or talk about them or acknowledge them in any way. Um, which I'll, we'll get into maybe in party fouls later. But B.C. Johnson likely done for the season with a second torn ACL. Sounds like a different knee. I think that was your wide receiver five, Luke Braun. Uh, we talked about it on the Lockdown Vikings postcast after the game. You can hear us every week. That's That's probably the biggest injury we've had so far in training camp, I would say. Yeah, it's the most severe injury somebody's had because this one will end the season. This, I mean, this is so bad for him. It's last year of a contract to have that happen to you, and it's the other knee, and now he's going to have to try to convince somebody to let him sign after being out of football for functionally two years. That sucks. I hope he did enough for the Vikings to do it, and Kevin O'Connell did like gas him up a little bit in the presser. said he earned a place on this team, so maybe you can – convince the Vikings to let you come in for one more camp and see if you can't stay healthy. But now it's just going to be a thing for your whole career. It really sucks. And it it's a little bit of a hit to the Vikings depth. I talked about that a bunch on lockdown Vikings um, today on the Monday lockdown Vikings, but most, I mean, the lion's share of stuff is going to be those top three guys, Jefferson Thielen Osborne. Um, but it does. I mean, if one of those guys goes down now, the guy coming in is a little less consistent and that sort of thing can snowball as the season wears on. I, I think you feel 
most bad for the individual. The Minnesota Vikings will yeah. be fine. They've got their top four receivers. They're going to be okay. But you do feel terrible for BC. I, I always wonder, like, in these circumstances, what is tolling? Because everyone talked about tolling with Teddy's injury, right? Where the final year of his contract, did don't play six games, your contract tolls. Is that a real thing? Like, what does that actually happen, and can it happen in this case? Does anybody know the rules on tolling? Um, so I, I didn't look this up uh, super recently. I think the last time I looked it up was actually because of Teddy. But um, the only reason it doesn't happen more often is because it ticks players off, uh, because it you know it takes them longer to get into free agency, uh, and and teams just want to maintain better relationship with the players, which is actually the big discussion surrounding. Teddy Bridgewater, whether or not the Vikings should intentionally toll his contract to have control over him uh, for longer, you know, which like with the face of the franchise quarterback guy, you know, probably don't want to do that. Although would Teddy continue to be that after that injury um, with, uh, you know, your fifth receiver on the roster? I, I, I would imagine that they would they would explore that option for sure. Um, the thing is. Uh, it interacts in some way. I wish I had done more research right before the show. It interacts in some way with uh, the negotiations for injured reserve, right? Because every player that goes in injured reserve um, gets paid, obviously. But the amount that they get paid depends on the contract that they negotiate. Um, very often, players will have split salaries where they, uh, you know, receive a down income for if they're down or off the roster or in injured reserve, and an up income for if they're on the roster. Um, I bet you can put in language in a contract that discusses tolling. You know, it, it might interact with the CBA in some interesting ways, but, you know, usually you can um, institute like a team that has the right to toll, but, you know, not within the constraints of this contract sort of thing. Luke Inman, I gave you responsibility, and we're going to get into this shortly, but we're going to break down the 53-man roster. I gave Luke Inman <laughs> big responsibility. Mistake, in fact, wow. he's got three <laughs> positions where – he has to make the final say on on 53-man roster cuts, and he has responsibility for wide receivers. Give us a teaser. Don't give us the whole thing. Just give us a tease of how you're looking at that position now without BC. No, it it it, it feels and looks a lot different than it did just what 72 hours ago with BC. I felt like you could make a case he's the wide receiver four even when KJ goes out. Who's next up? It, it was often BC uh, joint practices versus the Niners preseason games, things like that. But as we sit here today, obviously ISM slides up into that spot. And now you've got one less man in that competition, that thick grouping of four or five different names fighting for one, maybe possibly two spots. Are they going to keep five wide receivers or are they going to keep six? I think ultimately that's the big question. Um, that's as much as a tease I'll, I'll give to you now. But um, obviously one less option now in that group. And maybe, uh, you know, in hindsight, unfortunately makes things a little bit easier now for coaches, I think, when they're, uh, you know, tallying these last few wide receiver spots. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Before we get to the 53, let's talk a little bit more about Vikings Broncos and the greatest special teams performances of all time. I mean, Ryan Wright, given the punter job, goes and balls out. Greg Joseph hits a 58-yard field goal at altitude, asterisk. But when did Greg Joseph get on the steroids? Like, I remember specifically in OTAs last year, he was struggling to make 50-yard field goals. Like, he was barely clearing the bar. And now, and I've watched him all camp, and I've been hard on Greg Joseph too. 
He's been awesome. Like, he's clearing 55s easily. He's getting 58 with room to spare. Uh, Matt Daniels, I mean, either Matt Daniels has the secret sauce, Greg Joseph is on some serious supplements, or I don't know, maybe he just, like, <laughs> worked out on the uh, worked the quads all offseason because he is balling out. Vikings, greatest special teams unit of all time, Luke Braun? We got to ask, like, a kicking expert because sometimes with, with stuff like this, there's, like, it's it kicking is like exactly like golf in my brain where it, the second you like tuck your elbow right suddenly you get 20 more yards on your drive it it feels like something maybe like that has happened with greg joseph hold on let me write that golf tip thing. down what was that tuck, tuck <laughs> sam needs that sam needs huh? that say that again what, what is that a, a, a seven uh, keep seven your head uh, down. iron or, or what keep your lower <laughs> half quiet all right um okay like yeah, if there's some mechanical thing that's different between what he was doing last year and what he, he did this year, um, or it could just be that now that his wife left him, he has more time to concentrate. So good. That bit never gets old. I love um, it. Distractions are gone. Yeah, no, you're right, though, yeah. Sam. He's just been locked in. Dude is locked in. And I showed up a little late to training camp, maybe practice six or seven. He ended practice with like a 58-yard bomb too there. Uh, was he always this kind of just honed in right from the get-go? Or was there a little, you know, transition period that it took him a few practices to get going? Because everything I've seen from that practice, maybe six or seven when I showed up till now, dude's just been honed in. This is a refreshing change from the previous regime because they had some kind of mental block about letting their kickers try long field goals. They would stop them at 54, 53 they never let them go any further. And in today's NFL, kickers are routinely kicking high 50s and sometimes 60-yard field goals. And they've let Joseph do that, really stretch the leg out. And every time they do it, it seems like he delivers. And I believe he kicked a 60 earlier in training camp. So I think they've expanded his range, and they've expanded the range at which he practices. They just never let him kick any further in practice, which I always thought was super bizarre because why not? try those long kick kicks where you very well may find yourself at the end of a game. Um, any other Vikings Broncos takeaways, Arif? Um, yeah, I don't know. Like uh, Chris Boyd might be, you know, the best corner that doesn't make the team. I think that that's it, his performances have been like really interesting. I don't think that they're just going to be enough to make the team. Um, I, obviously open to being wrong. I was immediately wrong on T.Y. McGill. So, you know, what's, what's another, you know, eight players, right? But uh <laughs> It, it, it's interesting that he's been able to build on such a strong preseason performance after he's been somebody that's been kind of persona non grata among people who kind of break down bottom of the roster quarterback. So a small niche group, of course, but I think, you know, within that group, there wasn't a lot it of respect suffice. for. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's us, right. Uh, half of them are in this room, um, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was interesting what he's been able to do. I just don't know that he's had like a ton of a special team capability to add on to that. Um, I think one player that's had three good preseason games is Kyle Hinton. Um, I think Lucas has remarked upon, or sorry, Braun has remarked upon this uh, on Twitter a couple of times that Hinton's got, you know, a, a couple of good moments. And I, I really like what Hinton's been able to do. Um, but like, I don't know, this game just didn't have as much to go on, probably just because, you know, it wasn't a game that was meant to have much to go on. I think, you know, this is probably Luigi Villain's, you know, best performance out of the three. It, it sucks that it occurs in a situation where he probably can't do much to add his name or throw his name into the mix. Um, but honestly, I think that your special teams takeaways are, are probably, you know, going to be the most relevant ones to the Vikings going forward. 
Yeah, I, I want to touch on the Mon performance too, but first I want to hold Braun's feet to the fire because in the postcast, <laughs> he said that oh, Valane had, like, was it that. a devastatingly bad performance or I, catastrophically bad? I think I said catastrophic, bad? but I'll walk that back. That, that, was, that was probably a PFF I, I liked him. Those... So, wait, so you didn't I, like so his I interception looked... or, or what, what, what didn't you like? Tip drill. Good play, know, but know, right just, play, I'm right time, giving, right? Just give um, it to but there there were two long runs that I thought were his fault, and those were the only two times that I like noticed him. And then sometimes I would just notice him getting like super walled in pass in in pass rush. Um, th like, did he log any pressures? I haven't had I time to like really go pressures. I want to say. Look. Um, I, I think he logged two pressures. Uh, PFF was not a huge fan of what he did against the run. So, uh, to to that end, you've got uh, something going for you. But I think it's his win rate that PFF was impressed by more than his pressure rate. Um, and, uh, his, my guess is also that though he got blown up in the run game, he also didn't attack the run gaps in, in the same way that like Brian SMO or Patrick Jones did in previous preseason games. So, um, that kind of helps too. All right. This is how we're going to talk about the 53 man roster. And I promise we'll get to the Mon conversation here as we talk about the quarterbacks. I have assigned each of these gentlemen, myself included two or three position groups where they have the final say on the roster. Once you give the final say, then that becomes part of the record. So you have to take into account if somebody decides to keep seven receivers, that might affect how many tight ends you keep or how many offensive linemen you keep. So it's a fluid decision-making process. Um, Luke Inman, you've been charged with quarterbacks, wide receivers, and cornerbacks. We'll start with quarterbacks um, and open the floor for debate. Is Kellen Mond gonna be on this team tomorrow? Luke Edmund, I'll give you the first word on quarterbacks. Or maybe, Luke, I'll give you the last word because you, you do get the last word. Let's start with a reef on quarterbacks. Kellen Mond, Sean Mannion, Nick Mullins, Kirk Cousins. Who they keep in? Is Kirk going to make the team? I'm dubious. Uh, he hasn't that, played that all that preseason. One. That one's a tough one. Yeah, that one's, I mean, you know, not being available for that first preseason game, that's a huge demerit, right? You know, it's if you can't Big trust time. him, then when can you trust him? No, yeah, I, I think that the discussion about Kellen Mond uh, is is uh, really interesting because if the Vikings um, are really committed to this idea of having some kind of developmental quarterback, which I imagine that they are, it seems like something that Kwesi would be into. It's certainly something that, you know, a McVay coach would be into. Um, then they have to make a decision about whether or not they think that there's going to be a developmental quarterback available to them for free, you know, off of waivers, that's going to have more upside or development potential in some way than Kellen Mond, Right. Um, so that's one. And then the other factor, of course, is whether or not they think they can slip Kellen Mond onto the practice squad. Now, I think they won't be able to. Mond um, was seen by some teams around the league as a potential second round option. Obviously, he didn't go there, but it was a potential second round option. I bet there's at least one or two or three other teams that think that they can fix him. Um, you know, I, I don't know that his upside is actually all that tremendous. I know his physical school, uh, tools are there, but I think that in terms of the way they relate to quarterbacking, they're, all, they're actually not all that relevant. Um, but that's just uh, my personal opinion. It seems like some teams disagree. So then the question is, if you can't fit him onto your practice squad, do you make room for him as a third quarterback? Obviously, that's a question for the rest of the roster. But I think that if you're committed to the idea of developing a quarterback and you don't have like a, an AAF superstar like John Wolford on your roster, um, then you probably, you know, keep Kellen Mond for one more year. I mean, I believe his contract is guaranteed, not that it is a particularly big contract or anything like that. So you might as well take the hit roster him um but i'm i'm honestly i'm open to, to cutting him seeing if he makes the practice squad i'm open to only having two quarterbacks and, and finding a practice squad guy later on um I, it's a slight preference for me 
to keep Kellen Mond just because you've got an opportunity to develop a young guy. Hmm. Interesting. Ron? Yeah, I, I don't think I'm not into it. Um, I, what he has done in the preseason is not a player that you can reasonably put on the field. Like if Kirk Cousins goes down and Nick Mullins goes down, I think you're hunting the waiver wire before you put Kellen Mond out there. And to me, that's not a guy you can put on the 53. Now, if you're trying to stash him to do potential uh, and see if he comes along in the next year, I just there's just too much to fix. And I just don't like the odds of him coming along anyways. If you want to do a developmental third quarterback, I don't know. Is Luis Perez available? Like I'm looking outside, like I'm looking for like spring the league Perez superstars. Perez dream is done, man. There's a guy who follows these. <laughs> I'll like... never give up. <laughs> Peter Pujols. Jordan Ta'amu's Peter done. Pujols. Luis Perez is Peter done. Pujols. McLeod Bethel wow. Thompson. Yeah. Joel Stave. I, I think somebody, I think better quarterbacks than Kellen Mond are getting cut this week. So I would probably look out for that. And honestly, like, I'd rather have him on the practice squad. And do, if somebody a, wants to take their chance names that you're watching out for, for quarterbacks that are getting cut. No, I just think that lowly of Kellen Mond right now. Wow. And I d- feel bad about it. I don't like it, but I'm pretty upset with him. <laughs> I, 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 I hope that he would take more of a step forward this preseason and he hasn't. And I think there's going to be better opportunities. So I'm going Kirk Cousins, Nick Mullins. I personally I, agree. <laughs> I, I asked KOC this question last week. I said, like, you know, what factors go into deciding how many quarterbacks you keep? And he said, well, it depends on other positions. You know, like, are there young players elsewhere that we want to keep instead? So, like, clearly he's not gunning for three quarterbacks as a rule. Like, he doesn't care how many quarterbacks, whether it's two or three. He just wants to keep good players. And I just think that there are so many other good players to keep that have done better than Kellen Mond. And how many quarterbacks after struggling mightily for two years are going to just suddenly majestically become your guy. Like it's pretty difficult. You ever, you ever to hear do, of this so. guy called uh, Aaron Rodgers? He didn't uh, struggle. Okay. He Relax. was behind Brett Favre. <laughs> Settle down. Okay. Brett Luke Favre has him. the final word. Like pretty famously. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys make a lot of great points and you should never make a decision based off emotions, but Remember, KOC is a quarterback at heart, first and foremost. He knows what it's like to be a backup quarterback in the NFL fighting for a roster spot. You know he's got a soft spot for Kellen Mond. And, and he it, it's his personal pet project now to do everything he can to bring him along. Is it working yet? Absolutely not. Is he there yet? No. But KOC, he's going to lean on, oh, man, look at all the drop passes he's dealt with. He's going to try to lean on those things and talk himself into the things that he has flashed when he's been in there. And it boils down to that third spot, obviously, after Kirk and, um, and, and Nick Mullins, assuming they do, in fact, and this is a big question, do they, in fact, want to keep three quarterbacks? Again, it goes back to, I just want to keep the best 53 men. But I think Coach is up for the challenge. And I don't think you're going to be able to find any better options. I know Luke said, you know, there will be a better option out there to find a developmental quarterback out there. I mean, Skylar Thompson's not getting cut in Miami, right? I I just don't think you're saving that spot for Sean Mannion over Kellen Mond at the end of the day. You're just not. So you're going to go with the higher ceiling guy, even if he's light years away, further away from being able to win you football games right now than the alternative. So here's our final three, Kirk Mullins, Kellen Mond. That's your three. At Sam, I assume you're keeping track of the number, right? I am. Not. I am. Okay. And there's, yep. And that's already going to have a ripple effect because that's one roster spot taken up by Mon that'll have to be saved elsewhere. So we'll move on to running backs. Now, Luke Braun, you've got the final say here. So we'll go around the horn until we get to Braun. 
I think that you keep five, and I think I don't think you love that decision, but I think you kind of are in that spot with you know the talent um, and maybe a philosophy of rotation versus having necessarily you know a, a bell cow in in Dalvin Cook getting thirty carries a game. I think you use these guys more often. Um, I think obviously Kenne has special teams value. And he and Chandler both have value as eventual replacements for Madison and or Cook if down the road Cook becomes expendable. So I think you keep that that rich stable of backs and the fullback. I know some people have talked about C.J. Ham. We discussed this last week. C.J. Ham is going to have value in the regular season. They're just not showing it yet. But he is going to come into play. I think you keep all five, but we'll see if Luke Inman and Arif Hassan agree. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Again, you're keeping the best 53 men. Again, they handpicked Ty Chandler. They're obviously – I'm with you, Sam. I think there is going to be a heavy rotation behind Dalvin Cook. And I don't think Ty Chandler or Ken A are as far down buried on the depth chart behind Madison as maybe some people think. So C.J. Ham again, we know he's going to be involved a little bit. Again, the one or two practices that I went to, saw a lot of fullbacks in the uh, rotation. I saw a lot of C.J. Ham on the field. So I think you got to keep those five. Again, I'm with you – you probably don't love it. Soaks up, you know, an extra roster spot somewhere else. But I think if you're keeping the best 53 men, you got to keep those five. Yeah, Sam got the easiest position group, I think, out of all, all the position groups that we're taking today. I mean, I, the, the one risk with this, I think, great approach that you took of assigning us um, position groups is that individually, if we're just thinking about a position group, we're like motivated to be quirky with that position. Be like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll cut Alexander Madison. That's totally something I would do, which I can totally see is Luke is considering right now. But you know, primarily, I am speaking, now. I think, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think that uh, I think that you're going to keep five. I think that any discussion about uh, not having CJ Ham is preposterous. I don't think any coach would set themselves up for embarrassment by talking up one guy throughout the offseason just to cut him. Like, I, I don't know if people know how many times, A, Kevin O'Connell's been asked about C.J. Ham, but B, how many times Kevin O'Connell has praised all the things C.J. Ham can do, has brought him up unprompted as, like, you know, a, a do-everything weapon. Um, I, I agree that, you know, they're, they're simply just not using him in a way that they're going to use him in the regular season during the preseason because he's a starter. Why are you playing your starters? So um, that, I think, is is uh, probably going to be one of the elements that the Vikings will attempt to surprise the Packers with, who, uh, of course, are unfamiliar with C.J. Ham. I guess. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know that I would see a committee um, or a true rotation at running back. I think that We'll see Kenny Wangu and Ty Chandler in particular packages in the same way that you saw particular packages for, let's say, Percy Harvin in the backfield or Cordero Patterson in the backfield. Um, I think that you will have some moments where you're going to have Wangu or, or Chandler on the field, but I think you're going to have you're going to have Cook carry the ball a lot. You know, maybe not as much as what did he have like the last two seasons, like 21 uh, per game or something like that. I think that which was one of the heaviest in the NFL over the last two seasons. But I think you're going to you know one of the heaviest workloads still at about 18 carries a game. And you know if you're going to have three or four more carries, which I don't know if you are in, in this offense, you know they might go to somebody like you know Chandler or Wangwu, where Madison is primarily you substitute him in for one drive, or he's going to be your primary backup if, if Cook goes down. So I think that that's kind of how that checks out. All right, mess it all up now, Luke. <laughs> I don't think I'm gonna. I've been contrarian enough here. I, I could be like, let's trade Alexander Madison, and I do think that's a good idea, just because of the depth that you have, and I think you could find a market for him. Um, I think it would just be a good like way to liquidate an asset and maybe try to get something. But like, 
I'm I just not, don't no, see the market. We're keeping all five. This is like the easiest group in the world. Let's go on to the next one. What would you take cool. for him? Would you just take a seventh? Would you take a six? Would you take a fifth? Luke would take a seventh or, for sure. What what do running backs even go for? Like what is a what does a RB two go for nowadays? Like I, feel I don't know. Like a backup quarterback a is going running for back. like a future seventh, right? So like, what's a what's a backup running back going for? Well, yeah, a backup quarterback that I think they were gonna cut. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's a difference. Yeah, I, probably All like right. a fifth or I, six would be my guess, but I have no idea what the market's like. I had to give a second offensive position to Luke Inman just because uneven numbers. So, Luke, you've got two on offense here. You have a lot of control over the way this offense looks. You've got wide receivers. We, we previously talked about the wide receiver position. So make a quick argument starting with Arif on, uh, on what you're doing at the bottom of that position. Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you want to consider how good these guys are as receivers. It's the primary position that they're listed as on the depth chart. But the biggest impact that they'll hopefully have on your team is on special teams, right? And uh, if you're tracking, you know, what the special teamers are doing, which, you know, it's my job to. I don't expect anyone else to do it. But um, if you're tracking what the special teams are doing um, at, at the receiver position, you're actually not seeing as much of Jalen Naylor as you'd expect, despite the fact that they drafted him to be a return guy. He hasn't taken many punt return reps. He's not on kickoff coverage very often. He's not on punt coverage very often. Um, he, he just doesn't appear as often as, say, someone like Christian Jackson or someone, you know, unfortunately like B.C. Johnson or, um, you know, any of these other players that you, that you hope to see um, contribute in other meaningful ways. Um, I think that Myron Mitchell both has underperformed as a receiver and as a special teamer, so I think that you're probably – out on him as a, as a guy that you're going to roster this year. But I think that Tristan Jackson's made a good case. I think that Jalen Naylor's made a pretty decent case as a receiver. Um, I think the fact that I can't personally trust Amir Smith as a punt returner means I'd want to try out Jalen Naylor there. Um, but that one is one where you kind of have to project what roles you want um, at the receiver position. And then, of course, you've got Dan Chisena, who is a really interesting special teamer, but also is not played that many special team snaps this uh, this year in the preseason. So I don't know if if that's somebody that they're out on or if they have a particular role for him in mind or if, you know, all of the rookies that they have, you know, at skill positions have overwhelmed the opportunities for him um, to, to make the team there because, um, you know, primarily you'd have him as a gunner or as a kickoff coverage guy, and we just haven't seen him operate all that much in the preseason. I don't know why that is. Yeah, this Ron. gets a bunch harder with BC out. Um, cause I like the top five was so felt so locked mm -hmm. and now you suddenly have room to reconsider somebody that I had sort of written off. Like I'd kind of written off Myron Mitchell. And then after that, like brutal drop against Denver, I kind of wrote off Tristan Jackson, but like, Oh, maybe let's try that again. Um, I do think it's meaningful that the Vikings did not try out Jalen Naylor. Cause I agree with Reef. I thought, I think that would have been a good idea if you were reconsidering Emir Smith-Marset. And that kind of tells me that they're not. Um, so Naylor kind of has to make it as on his wide receiver chops. And I kind of think he has, but I also like, I don't feel crazy excited about any of these guys being on the 53 and we are in a scheme where it feels like five wide receivers is thin for a Kevin O'Connell offense, but can we just pick one of these He's guys and move on and maybe save our roster spot for something else? He has done it before. Yeah. So I feel like let's, you know, pick our favorite of these young guys and for wide receiver five or Dan Chisetta, if you really want to go like punt gunner could just do it on special teams um you know pick our favorite and then save our roster spots for something else where we m might have more roster pressure yeah i don't need to regurgitate what luke braun just said i'm in full agreement i've got 
BC spot disappearing, given to someone else, and you keep Naylor as my fifth. But Luke Inman gets the final say. What are we doing, Luke? Yeah, again, 72 hours felt a lot easier, like Bron just said. We sit here today, ISM slides up into that spot. I personally, this entire uh, training camp this offseason, I've always just slightly given the edge to Tristan Jackson. He had that one brutal drop Saturday outside of that. I think he's done a good job of creating separation between DBs and getting open. I think they'll try to sneak Naylor in on the practice squad. So you've got just five now with BC out. Had BC not gone down, I think they might. You might have saw uh, them try to keep six. But now it's it's obviously J.J. Thielen, K.J. ISM, and Tristan Jackson winning a roster spot on the Vikings' final 53. And I, I'm with you. I don't think you feel nearly as confident about the overall depth without BC now, but that's the best of a hard scenario you're dealing with right now. I do want to say I'm glad Arif mentioned Dan Chizena because he does seem like the guy that could make a spot because of the special teams. We just haven't seen him, why I'm not sure, out on special teams that often either, but that could be a sneaky wild card there as well. Yeah, and he's been hurt of late. There's a chance they get him like yeah. on mm-hmm. in the mix through IR where – He's on the mm-hmm. IR for three weeks. Someone else goes down, and then he finds a way to, like, stick around. And he could even be a practice squad guy, too, because I don't think there's a huge demand for a niche special teamer across the league. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But we move on to tight end. Who did I give tight end to? It's me. I'm tight end. How about that? Uh, so, Luke Inman, <laughs> Golly. You, get to kick off, you get to kick off the arguments on, uh, on the tight end position. Uh, tight We're ends. About okay, one guy, well, right? uh, yeah. I mean, who are we talking about here? Obviously, Irv Smith's coming back. Johnny Munt, I think. Uh, boy, I don't know. This is actually a little bit trickier. Johnny Munt, Ben Ellison probably make the team. Uh, Nick Muse had a tough night, obviously, on Saturday. Um, I think Zach Davidson ends up making the team as well as the fourth. Nick Muse, maybe they try to sneak on the practice squad. Mm. Not a lot of substance here going on though with this position. Yeah, I um, Zach Davidson is an interesting one. I think based off of you know the merits of him being a tight end, uh, I don't think he'd make the roster. Um, I have primarily constructed um, fifty-three man rosters without Zach Davidson, but my most recent one over at the Athletic does have Davidson, and the reason is because uh, again, special teams. I, I just spent a lot of time watching special teams in, in preparation for writing that piece, and it's it's going to be on my brain a lot for for a lot of these discussions. And Davidson has been used a lot on special teams, um, not just on uh, kickoff coverage or punt coverage where, um, you know, you know, you would, you might ask him to be uh, a little bit more active, but they've also used him on, you know, field goal block on field goal um, kick. Like they, they use him basically in all six stages. Um, he, uh, along with another player that uh, I'm going to name uh, has been uh, taken, I think more special team snaps than, than almost anybody. Uh, and so there, there is something that I think they see in him, as at least a core special teamer um, that they may not have for him as like a blocker or something. I mean, Sam's going to keep Zach Davidson. He left yeah, us up to himself. Sam, yeah, he's going to keep guy. Zach Davidson. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a Okay, if you keep Zach Davidson, I, I don't think they will. I don't think he's done enough. Um, I, don't, I think he's had problems on special teams as well. I don't think he's made the team. Love him on the practice squad. Give him another shot next year. We'll see how it goes. Um, but... If you're going to keep Zach Davidson and you don't want to keep four tight ends for this offense that will not often be in 12 personnel, maybe some jumbo goal line stuff, but you only need three for that. Um, I think Ben Ellison is a spectacular blocker, and I think he makes a team on that. Johnny Munt is 
the second best tight end on the team, and I would keep him. But if you're going to keep Zach Davidson, cutting Johnny Munt saves over a million dollars in cap space. That's all I'm going to say. It's all, all on you. <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Arif. Um, Luke Braun knows me too well. I am keeping Zach Davidson. <laughs> and this is not because of some petty Twitter competition with Arif Hassan. Um, I will confess that Zach Davidson has been subpar in some of these games, and his drop against the 49ers was unforgivable. But I've also watched a lot of training camp practices, and that's part of the evaluation. And I have seen him have quantitative success with the ones, um, with Herb Smith out. I think he's got a higher upside as a pass catcher, despite the drop. I know the drop was bad. The drop was bad, guys. Got a higher upside as a pass catcher than Ben Ellison or Johnny Munt combined. So for that reason, I can't afford. If Irv Smith is going to miss better more as a time, zone receiver than Zach Davidson, I'm just going to throw that out there. Oof. Ellison has done. What has he done ever? He's, He's caught wow, one ball. Very good uh, not very much. What does that say about Zach Davidson? <laughs> well, Zach Davidson was on a practice squad for one year. Ellison, I. What do you see in? He was Ellison? on the roster. <laughs> yeah, matters. because nobody they had nothing. They had nobody. Zach Davidson is improved from last year. Um I think that Zach Davidson will make the roster and I think so you that got, you understand when you say they had not... nobody, part of the nobody you're referring to includes Zach Davidson. Okay, but he was <laughs> part of a staff. He was on a staff that did not appreciate rookies at all. He was coming from D2 to the NFL. It's reasonable that he would, as a rookie, Dude, Ellis, be on the Ellison practice squad. played for the FCS? What is this? <laughs> He's been around longer. He's bounced around more. He's been released more. Arif, you've been at the practices with me. Have we not seen Wait. Zach Davidson catch like a million balls? Yeah, and how is many Arif caping for an NDSU guy right now? This is insane. It took you long enough. It took you long enough, yeah. It's wild. I hate doing <laughs> uh, it. Sorry, this, I just saw actually, something think, that I'll bring up later. Yeah, this uh, this actually should tell you a lot about um, what I think about Zach Davidson. No, I think Ellison has been better in the red zone than Zach Davidson has been, I, which, which I think is not a compliment to Ellison. And that's, that's, based, on, on, that's based on what, what we've the, watched the in red zone drills. touchdowns he scored in red zone drills. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it at How all. How much of that, you know, between those two does go back to the special teams, though? Zach Davidson had, what, six special teams reps, I think, Saturday. Ellison had, what, one, something like that. How much special teams goes in? How much, you know, special team stock goes in to, uh, you know, making that final decision when you're talking about these two guys? Yeah, Reef, what do you think? Special teams. Yeah, I just think you, you don't have a blocking tight end on the roster. You just don't. Unless, unless uh, was it, heavy hands Munt? Oh, yeah, heavy he's gone game. completely off the rails. Um, we have 16 Wait, spots. Something just dropped real quick. Uh, uh, there is a rumor from Matt Lombardo at heavy that there is some chatter on Alexander Madison. No, we're not talking pop, about. Baby. I don't know if you trust that's that guy or not, but I don't trust heavy. I have been burned so many times clicking a heavy.com headline. That was absolutely nothing. I refuse to believe uh, it. Sam Burns, some of his colleagues in the wow, industry. Fair enough. All right. Come on. Blue check mark, though. Come on, Sam. 
This goes back to it, though. This goes back to it. What would they take? I mean, would they take just a six-round pick? Maybe. I mean, if well, you says, love... Okay, you so even, even, Lombardo's, even Lombardo's tweet says Minnesota isn't actively shopping him. They're just picking up the phone when people call. What we think market value might be, just taking a guess for a backup running back. Maybe there's a team that's really struggling with their running back depth right now. They think he could be a great number two, maybe even you know, get some starting snaps at some point. But still, even knowing that, what are you going to give up? Maybe a sixth? Is that enough for the Vikes to say yes? Maybe it is. I mean, again, they handpicked Ty Chandler. They love him. They want to get him in the rotation. Or like Arif said, have certain sub packages for him. Obviously, they like Ken A. Maybe there's just, you know, not enough uh, uh, meat on the bone to go around. If they think, hey, if I can get a, a six-round pick, even, you know, a conditional six-round pick, maybe that's enough. Maybe that's enough for them. Hopefully people are hammering the comment section, liking the video, or, um, heck, I mean, I was going to say disliking the video, but that's stupid. Um, don't dislike the video. Like the video, even if the takes are bad, and comment about if, why if they're you bad. D- if the you best. dislike the video, no one's going to see it. That's the beauty of YouTube nowadays. Yes. But if you yell at us in the comments. Yeah, please do that. So are you um, saying he's disliked line, the video, basically? That's what he's saying. That's, he's, that's what that he's, means. Yeah, he's a serial <laughs> thumbs downer. We're going to do O-line, Engagement, and then we're going to take a, take a break, talk about something else. Um, <laughs> 16 spots are taken up. Offensive line's next. Offensive line decision falls on Arif Hassan. So Luke Braun, you can start the arguments. Okay, uh, so pretty easy starting five, right? Unless we want to talk about trading Bradbury, but if we're doing that, then we're probably bringing somebody else in, so that's one for one. Um, and then it's the depth where it gets really interesting. I think Chris Reed makes it. I think Austin Schlotman makes it um, pretty easy. Blake Brandell makes it pretty easy. And then it gets a little harder when you want to talk about uh, somebody like Kyle Hinton, somebody like Oli Udo, um, somebody like Jesse Davis. Uh, Jesse Davis has a contract right now with a lot like it would be awkward to cut him it would be fairly inefficient um but i guess doable if you really wanted to i don't think you should so i think it really comes down to are you keeping nine ol are you keeping kyle or are you keeping kyle hinton or Oli udo um i am gravitating toward nine because we've stacked the roster pretty hard at the other positions and i don't really miss hinton or udo that much in going with nine um but i don't know what do you guys think hmm yeah, yeah. I could see Oliudo getting getting chopped. I could see Oliudo mm-hmm. getting chopped. Are they going to keep nine and get your starting five? I think every week I ask you guys, hey, who's the backup center right now? Is it Reed when he's healthy? Is it Schlotman? I think they keep both those guys. Blake Brand will agree with that. Uh, I think Oliudo gets chopped. I think they try to keep Vidarian low. If not, he's definitely on the practice squad. But um, for sure, yeah, that's that's tough. Yeah, Jesse Davis. You, you bring up a great point about the contract. If it's not very efficient, if you're going to cut him now, and all of a sudden, wow, what an offseason kind of whirlwind for him. He goes from first to worst, and all of a sudden he's he's cut after being, you know, the opening day starter right away when training camp and OTAs kick off. But uh, do they keep nine? And again, is it not very efficient to cut Jesse Davis anyways? Maybe if you're going to cut Oliudo, you say, okay, well, then we got to keep Jesse Davis. So I'm going to go with Brandel, Schlotman, Reed, and Jesse Davis, and – I'm chopping Oliudo and I'm putting Vidarian low in the practice squad. And by the way, I didn't even mention Kyle Hinton. Kyle Hinton's mm-hmm. kind of a tough one too, but I don't know. Maybe this is a, a sneaky one where they do end up keeping 10. Yeah, like if if we're at 16, I'm compelled to keep nine, 
and I think Davis or Udo would be on the chopping block. I mean, the Davis contract makes it tougher. Udo does have some positional flexibility there, which is nice, but technically so does Davis. So I think I had 10. I was just going to keep everybody. But now that I think we're trying to get down to nine, I would cut Udo as my, my last guy. But it falls yeah, on think... Luke Braun. What? No, it falls on a reef. No, I'm sorry, Reef. Real quick, Wyatt <laughs> Davis, not even mentioned yet. What a bummer. Sorry to your Buckeye Yeah, James. wow. Huge fall. Um, oh, yeah, I th normally I would have kept nine, and now knowing the roster pressure uh, that was created ahead of me, I'm definitely going to keep nine. Um, I think the the one that we lose here is Ole Udo. So just a quick recap, the ones we're keeping are Christian Dersa, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, Brian O'Neill, uh, Blake Brandell, Chris Reed, Austin Schlotman, and Jesse Davis. Um, the reason I want to keep Jesse Davis is because of that positional flexibility. I think that it'd be nice to have two guys that can play tackle on game day. That would be Blake Brandell and Jesse Davis. Um, I'm, you know, Jesse Davis is not a very good offensive tackle. That's the whole reason Miami decided to kind of move forward with consistently drafting offensive tackles to replace him. Um, but, you know, the question is, it, when we're talking about positional flexibility, is Jesse Davis a worse tackle than Ole Udo as a guard? And I think the answer to that is no. Uh, and so I'd much rather have Jesse Davis as kind of, um, you know, depth in a pinch when it comes to tackle. And if you're really in a pinch, then like, I don't know, you move Ezra Cleveland out, you know, assuming he's healthy in this scenario. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's what ends up happening is that you've got a couple of options at tackle. You end up with a couple of options at guard with Jesse Davis and Chris Reed, a couple of options at center with Austin Schlotman and Chris Reed, and a couple options um, at tackle, like I said. So um, Kyle Hinton, uh, I, I've liked what he's done so far on the offseason. I don't think there's any risk anyone's going to grab him. So uh, he's an easy practice squad guy to me for, I think, the third year in a row. Um, I think that Verdarian Lowe is a practice squad guy. I think you're probably just cutting ties with Oliuda, Wyatt Davis, Timon Paris, and maybe Josh Sokol, who has not been awful, but he's not been great either. We've got the defense ahead. Before we get to that, we're going to have a four-minute drill and a word from betonline.net. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events. The number one online source for odds, lines, and games. And they've got virtually every NFL line for this upcoming season. You can check out the week one lines now. Find reviews and news of every league, not just NFL, but it's MLB, NBA, NHL, eSports, golf, combat sports, whatever you can imagine. BetOnline has it. They're your top online resource for all sports wagering information with podcasts and live in-game betting there as well head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening bet online where the game starts and another quick reminder that if you subscribe to lockdown sports minnesota you're getting not just this show but you're getting the ron johnson show with myself and ron johnson superior sports talk with luke inman and reggie wilson and the post game postcasts luke braun and yours truly talking about the vikings instantly after every game Brandon Warren and Nash Walker talking twins after every game. Check those out on Locked On Sports Minnesota. So before we jump into the defense, fellas, let's do a four-minute drill. This is the prompt today, gentlemen. You each get one minute to argue the case, and the case I want you to argue is a player on the roster that's going to make the Pro Bowl, that people are not expecting. The hotter the take, the better the argument. We'll start with Luke Inman. You're on the hot seat in the four-minute drill. 
Oh, maybe I'm digging a little bit, but I think it makes a good conversation. And I'm digging because you can argue he's not even a starter technically, but if KJ Osborne does the things we expect him to do, 70 catches, 1,000 yards, ATDs, and then he just does a little bit more because those alone, those aren't Pro Bowl-worthy numbers, but if he can exceed our expectations just a pinch more, which feels like now I'm asking for a lot, like the bar is already set so high for him, but if he can, I think he's a consideration for a Pro Bowl-type season. And I think the most logical way to get there is unfortunately by way of injury. Maybe Thielen, who's known for missing two, three, four games every year. Now, all of a sudden, Osborne's the second option for a quarter of the season. And then I think the production matches the expectations, and then some, and hits a Pro Bowl type of uh, Pro Bowl type of level or season, statistically anyways. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I had a topic, too, I want to get into later about comparing the three deep to this year's version of three deep with Osborne, Jefferson, and Thielen. We'll hold on to that and let Arif go through his four-minute drill. All right, so I'm picking Zach McLeod. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, pick the easy ones, dude. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Um, this one's going to be kind of in between the hottest take and, and, uh, and the mildest take. I'm going to pick Harrison Phillips. What he's been able to do in camp to me has been tremendous i don't think that he's made a pro bowl yet um and it's going to be difficult now that he's in the nfc where one of the spots is always going to be occupied by aaron donald so it'll be tough for him to do that uh, especially from the nose tackle position but his ability to uh shut down passing lanes by getting up in the air his ability to shut down the run i think the vikings defense is going to rock it up in run defense ratings uh from where it was to potentially top five based off of what i'm seeing i mean this is just incredible stuff from dalvin thompson harrison phillips and and uh, up front and i think that his ability to pressure the pocket you know it's not the world's best but it'll be up there i think that He's going to compare favorably to in-division rival Kenny Clark when it comes to how we discuss the nose tackle position. I think that he has been tremendous. Ron. All right, I'm going to go with Irv Smith. Uh, I kind of can't believe that I got Irv Smith after going third. Uh, he's... Yeah, it's a good draft pick, yeah. I just can't, I just can't get uh, out of my head how good he looked in camp in 2021 before he had that meniscus injury. Um, a lot of people have kind of forgotten about him, written him off. He's going undrafted in fantasy leagues. And I get it. He's been injured, but we talked about this a lot on this show about how his injuries are unrelated. And so it's easier to blame them on bad luck than like an actual problem with Irv Smith. It's like innate to him. Um, and look, he's, he's athletic. He's injuries. fast. He can block. He's prone to thumb injuries. Uh, he's fast. He can block. He's athletic. He's good. Uh, and I think he can absolutely have like a breakout kind of year, be one of those stories of the year, comeback player. Oh, look, he's coming back from all these injuries. Um, yeah, I, I think he can absolutely make a push at that. And there's a really top heavy group of tight ends. I think he can maybe break in. I'm going to go on the defensive side of things. Can't bind him. A lot of people thought he'd get replaced by Lewis Seen. And I was never on that team. I thought that Cam Bynum was stellar when he appeared last year. I think he's got the ball skills to have an Anthony Harris-type interception season from 2019, where, it, which inexplicably, Anthony Harris didn't make the Pro Bowl that year. I don't that know how that's possible. I know there's a lot of good safeties in the league, but it does come down to sometimes name recognition, and that might hurt Cam Bynum. But Harrison Smith tends to bring the best out of the safeties he played plays next to. He turned Andrew Sendejo into a respectable starter for many years. 
he made Xavier Woods look pretty good for at least most of last season. And obviously, Anthony Harris was a stud for a couple of years next to him as well. Um, and I think Cam Bynum can reap the benefits as well from being next to, to Hitman Harry. So I'm going to go with Bynum coming onto the scene and uh, huh, onto the scene. There's so many Lewis scene puns. I love it. I'm just going to stop there because that was dumb. Uh, defensive 53-man roster. Let's move expediently through this one because I know we're a little pressed for time. We got D-line, linebackers, safety, and cornerback. We'll start with defensive line where I get the final say. So Luke Inman gets the first word. All right, Delvin Tomlinson, Phillips, Watts, your starting three. Jonathan Bullard, if you would have asked me a month ago, I said, all right, probably a cut candidate, just a vet they bring in, a, a camp body, if you will. What an outstanding preseason and training camp he's had. That's been fun to cover and follow. James Lynch is five. I think now that McGill's cut, Twyman didn't have a great Saturday night. I think Azeze makes the, the final 53-2. So what do we got? One, two, three, four. That's six right there. That's that's the six I'm rolling with. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, I just I don't really see um, that Azeze has done enough to make the roster. He is a draft pick, so he has to maybe do a little bit less than some others. Um, he flashed uh, quite a bit in the last preseason game, but before he's just been uh, kind of a complete non-entity. So I, I, I don't know if I love that. But honestly, I'm basically arguing four or five. I just don't feel comfortable having both James Lynch and Jalen Twyman on the roster. I don't think either of them have done a ton. It's pretty rare for roster constructions like this to only have five internal defensive linemen. TJ Smith, I think, is like quite clearly not it. Um, between James Lynch and Jalen Twyman, if I was only going to keep you know, one of those two, and I can see keeping both, but really it just feels like a, a waste of a roster spot. I'd probably keep Jalen Twyman because I think he's got more upside, and I think um, I don't think his upside is who he was at Pitt. I think his upside is independent of that. But I think the way that the Vikings have treated James Lynch's body and, and forcing him to change position so many times has made it basically impossible for him um, to become a high-level player, whereas Jalen Twyman can at least hit starting-level quality at some point in, in his career. So that's probably the decision I make. But six is reasonable. That's pretty normal for, for the style of defense to have six defensive linemen. I just There's not six that I like right now. It's funny. That's the reasons you put out for James Lynch is exactly the reasons I think it's over for Jalen Twyman because he's put his body through so much with it becoming like a bodybuilder. Yeah, yeah. um, and it's pretty clear. I mean, there were some ugly reps against Denver, like some real brutal, brutal stuff. I don't think you can justify putting him on a 53-man roster. I think you've got to just stash him on the practice squad. Um, the thing with Zayze is like, I don't think he's made the 53 but are you worried about him getting poached? And I kind of wish we had like that Devi spot available, but we already used it on Mon kind of, unless you want to keep two guys like that, but that feels weird. Um, so I think I'm also going to just argue for five and say like, you know, we have our starting three, our Jonathan Bullard, our James Lynch, and um, you utilize that extra roster space elsewhere on the defense. So you're just to clarify. So your five are, or some, Five, Tomlinson, Phillips, Watts, Lynch. James Lynch, Jonathan Bullard, Bullard, I think is the five we've mostly agreed on here. And and Asezi is off? Correct? It's not up to me. Well, no, but I'm, I'm trying you. to clarify. But you're saying no. Oh, you're that's yes. Not. Yes, but I don't All feel right. good about it. All right. I've got him on, and I think actually cutting McGill makes it a lot easier. Um, fifth round pick 
you don't love to cut fifth round picks. Probably some upside potential there. Um, and I'm also rooting for him to stay on the team because he's probably coming on the Ron Johnson show this week. So that's my logic, and I'm sticking to it. Um, six defensive linemen, which brings us to outside linebackers, inside linebackers. It's a complex ro roster construction because I'm not used to the OLBs being part of that equation, but Arif gets the final say on it. So Luke Braun, opening word. So we're doing all the linebackers, all uh, yeah. eight or however many. Lump them in. Okay. Lump them in. Stir them into sure. one big stew. Yep. Sure. Um, I Honestly, I think seven of these are locks, and we're just talking about the inside and if we're keeping an extra outside because you've got Hunters, Adarius Smith, Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham. I think those guys kind of cemented their cases earlier in, in the summer. Um, and then it's a matter of do you keep a guy like a Zach McLeod or somebody like that or Luigi Villanda is where we talk about him. Um, and then on the inside, Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, um, Brian Azamoa, who I don't think he's ready to play yet. Um, I would prefer if we had a way to keep him off the field until he got a little more comfortable with reads and a little bit was able to be wrong a little bit less. Um, but then the next guy feels like it's Troy Dye. Um, Kevin O'Connell, when asked about him for an injury, was like, yeah, we expect him to be ready for week one, which kind of reveals a little something that they expect him to be, to, that that to be a relevant conversation. Um, so that feels like the eight to me. I don't think you keep an extra inside linebacker. And then it, it really just becomes, are we keeping um, somebody like a Zach McLeod? Uh, yeah, totally yeah, agree. Seven are locks. Hicks, Kendrick, Smith, Hunter, Patrick Jones, DJ Wanham, Asamoa. And I remember it was day two, maybe day three of training camp. Eric Kendricks was out. Who's the first guy up? Troy Dye in his place. And like Luke Brown just said, some sprinkles in there, some quotes, pressers. Yeah, he'll be ready for week one. I think he's the next guy. Chaz Herat, third-round pick last year. Toast, sad. Uh, Janarius Robinson, fourth round pick last year. He's toast, sad. And then, yeah, you're right. This is where we need a, a body count here, Sam, because do they or can they, do they, ha they have the flexibility to keep a guy like Zach McCloud or, or Luigi Villain? Because I think they would like to, if not, they'll at least try to get one of them on the practice squad. But um, yeah, I think Troy Dye, he's in. Blake Lynch, he's out. I was going to go with Villain on, Blake Lynch on, and have nine. Arif Hassan, though, gets the final say. All right, let's uh, let's stick with the seven locks that we've all identified. Let's talk about, you know, the bottom there. I think that, uh, you know, with that uh, fourth inside linebacker spot, I think that you have to give it to a special teamer. I don't think that there's anything else you can do. Brian Asimo is going to be the guy that comes in in case of an injury. Maybe you keep a better scrimmage player on the practice squad, but you have to have that fourth one reserved for special teams because primarily in – three, four setups, there's just not that many linebacker bodies that you get to deploy on special teams. So if you're only keeping four, that fourth one has to be uh, a special teamer. Now, Chester Wright has taken more special team snaps than anyone else in the preseason at the linebacker spot. He's also taken more bad snaps at uh, the special teams at the linebacker spot. I've not been impressed with him. Um, and so I was debating between him and Blake Lynch. Um, in that regard, when I was constructing my 53, I gave it to Chester Rat in my 53. Here, I'm going to give it to Blake Lynch because I think he's a better player. Um, I think that Blake Lynch both is a better special teamer and a better linebacker, which makes a very easy decision for me. Upside means nothing if you can't tap into it, which I think speaks to a conversation about uh, Jalen Twyman, perhaps, and maybe Zach Davidson. But I think that um, Blake Lynch has done more than, than any of them. And then Troy Dye, I think, has just not been a very good linebacker, which I think is his calling card. He has value on special teams, but not as much as Lynch. So he is my guy there. 
Um, now, with regards to a fifth uh, outside linebacker spot, I am also unimpressed with Janarius Robinson. I think the reason that he missed the game was injury-related, not because he was locked to make the roster. I think everyone kind of agrees with that. I'm going to say it's Zach McLeod. I think Mac- McLeod has taken more – actually, McLeod has taken more special team snaps than anybody on the Vikings, period, uh, point blank. Um, and I think that he's done well there. Uh, it's like him. Uh, obviously, Luigi Villain has taken a fair, a fair amount of them. Um, McLeod, I think, has done a lot in the past couple of preseason games, a little bit in practices where he's even rotated just a tiny bit with the twos. Um, he has a higher undrafted guarantee um, than almost any other undrafted free agent that's not a quarterback in, uh, in the NFL. Um, I think the Vikings see a lot in him. And so I'm going to give that fifth spot to him, which means nine linebackers. Nine LBs. Um, do you guys think the Vikings would be watching the waiver wire for edge help? Because I think there's a couple candidates I've seen tossed Maybe. around, like Mario Edwards Jr., Cleveland Farrell. Would anyone be interested in more there? Uh, I would need to hear other names besides those two. <laughs> but yes, okay. I would be. Okay. I, I would be interested. Uh, I mean, if you told me Cleveland Farrell was better than Zach McLeod, I would not be stunned or shocked. Like, this is not me saying, like, it is impossible that a former first-round pick is better than Zach McLeod. But um, I, there's got to be more intriguing names than those two, I hope. Fair enough. Um, Luke Inman, you're in control of cornerbacks, Arif. I know you got to run in a little bit, so we'll move through cornerbacks, Arif. What's your argument on quick corners? body we have... count. Where are we at here, Sam? How, how many spots thank available you. do we have left on the roster? Yeah, thanks for checking in there. 40 have been taken, so traditionally we've got 10 left, not including the three specialists. So 10 spots for safety and cornerback, which I feel Perfect. like is super doable. Perfect. Yeah. Um, so uh, we're doing safety and quarterback both at once, so I'll talk about both at uh, once, right? No, do cor- you can do corner. Oh, okay, sure. Um I like what Chris Boyd has done. I don't think that he has done enough uh, to justify a roster spot. Uh, uh, I, I, he's, he's, he's been kind of unimpressive on special teams. I know people disagree with me on that, so that's fair. But I think that he has been unimpressive on special teams. Um, I think that you need to do something about having flexible depth at the nickel position, uh, whether that occurs at safety where you can say, hey, you know, we have Josh Metellus playing, you know, slot snaps sometimes. We have Cameron Bynum playing slot snaps sometimes. Or it comes with, you know, being comfortable with rostering someone like Nate Hairston, who's a lot more valuable on special teams than, than Chris Boyd. I think that that is a better use of your roster spots. But I think we're in a, a pretty difficult situation when it comes to cornerback because obviously the top four decided that fifth one is really tough for me. I think Ty Smith's a non-starter. I think Perry Nickerson has not done enough, as fun as he is sometimes when he does flash. Um, and Nate Harrison has had, I would say, a difficult camp. I think that he has not been playing well at nickel corner. But I, I would say at the same time, he's a little bit better than I think his detractors have been saying in terms of the way that he's played. And he is, um, he, he was like the primary punt gunner in two of these three games too. So I, I think that the Vikings do see some special team upside for him. Yeah, I really like what Chris Boyd has done. Um, I super disagree with his dis- detractors. I, I think he's made the roster outright as a corner. I think he's outplayed Caleb Evans, honestly. I'd put him above a Caleb Evans so far. Uh, there was, I, I think a lot of people are blaming him for that coverage bust um, in that last Denver game. I'm still, I haven't been able to look as closely as I want to on this. So I reserve the right to take this back, but I don't think that was his fault right now. Um, I think that was on safety Mike Brown. But otherwise, the rest of that group is pretty set. And I think it's a matter of, do you want to keep Chris Boyd or do you want to keep another nickel, a backup nickel corner? And would you rather have like, I don't know, Perry Nickerson 
go in if Chandon Sullivan goes down, or are you giving those reps to somebody like Cam Bynum or Lewis seen? I am partial to giving it to a safety because I don't think either Nickerson or Hairston has really done much. Um, and I mean, Hairston was, didn't go in, I think until like deep in the third quarter. Like I think he's really low right now. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of it. I would probably go with Chris Boyd and then the kind of automatic five, the two rookies and the three starters. Yeah, I've got Boyd um, making it because I wouldn't want five and two of them being rookies, one of them being an injury-prone rookie. But I'll see the rest of my time to Luke, who gets the final mm-hmm. word. No, I'm with you, Sam. Same reasoning. This one, by the way, was the toughest one for me. But at the end of the day, yeah, Patrick Peterson, Dantzler, Chandon Sullivan, Caleb Evans, and I think Chris Boyd, I think he's done enough to stick around yet again, despite all the odds against him being, you know, he's a Zimmer guy, new front office comes in, wipes the slate clean, brings in their own guys. For every big pass Boyd has had and given up in the preseason, he comes back with two or three really good reps and coverage. So I think when we talk about your backup, such a young room, you just mentioned it, Sam Dantzler, Booth, Evans, rookies, etc. It's just really nice to have another guy in the mix with a handful of years and experience under his belt. Better as a cornerback than Nate Harrison. Now, Arif made a good point. Nate Harrison, better on special teams, has played more special teams, but I'm giving the edge to uh, Boyd. Harry Nickerson, Ty Smith, I just can't see it over a guy like Boyd from everything I've seen. So there's your five right there. Obviously, this feels a lot better once Booth is back and healthy. Yeah. So that leaves us with four safeties that we'll need on the roster. And I think it comes down to Dorn or Metellus because they're keeping Smith. They're keeping uh, Bynum and Scene. Luke Braun gets the final decision. So Luke Inman, Dorn or Metellus? I think that's the only decision here. It's Metellus. Final answer. Dorn made an interesting case on Saturday. And Braun and I talked about that in the postcast. He was hitting people. Um, yeah, he was. He laid the hammer down. Too little, too late, yeah. though? Maybe. Yes. I think that's the, that is my uh, argument against him. He hasn't shown a lot leading up to that. And Josh Metellus has just been running with the twos the entire camp. There really hasn't been a rotation there. Yeah. And that's the thing. He's been running with the twos mm-hmm. over, over Dorn this entire time. So it'd be really surprising to see him cut over Dorn. Dorn seems like a guy who's going to get cut, probably get picked up pretty quickly. Braun? Yeah, I'm trying not to overreact to one game. If I were, mm-hmm. it would be Dorn. Like he had that good of a game, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't. I think I think let's not overreact to it. Let's go with the chalk four. I, I did come into with this into this going. Hey, maybe they keep five. They did have four safeties on the field once, but there's too much roster mm-hmm. pressure for that. Um, and I, I think there's a reasonable shot that Dorn ends up making somebody else's roster. But if we can stash him on the practice squad, that would be great. Um, but it looks like he has taken a step forward as a, as a player. Good for him. No room here. That is a reasonable 53, guys. Add Joseph Wright and DePaula to the mix. There's your 53. We'll post that on social media. Uh, before we go, I wanted to talk a little bit about three deep and get your party fouls, and then we'll be off. A lot of people have been posting the picture of the three deep poster, Osborne, Jefferson, and Thielen superimposed. Uh, I've got the old Moss Carter Reed poster at the cabin. It's like put on my like old bedroom wall still gathering dust. Great poster, by the way. Um, but I did some, some math on this, guys. Would you like to hazard a guess? How many combined yards did Reed, Moss, and Carter have in 98? Just throw, throw some numbers out. Combined yards. Well, I'm going to you you know, just guess Moss had about 14. I'm guessing Carter had about 
11. So I'm at 25. And then Reed had about, I don't know, I think he had close to 1,000, right? That's the, the whole thing. Um, so 35. Okay. Luke Braun, maybe you know this answer. If you do, don't, uh, don't reveal it. I don't know. I don't know it. Stats were not part of the, the history doc. It was a lot more about their backstories. Okay. Um, okay. I know, I know about his, how he brought his brothers to college. Jake Reed brought his brothers to college, but, uh, yeah, 35 sounds about right. I'll, I'll just ride Inman's coattails here. Okay. So real numbers, Moss, 13, 13, Carter, 10, 11, Reed. And this is the big misnomer four seventy four. Oh, I mean, that's wow. not that involved. Oh. So total yardage, 2798. Now, guess what last year's total was with Thielen, Jefferson, and Osborne? You probably have these numbers like more top of head, so I'll kind of spoil it. Jefferson, 16 and change. Thielen, 7 and change. Osborne, 655. Grand total, 2997. So if wow. you're wondering about three deep, like numbers-wise... They have it. Yeah, I mean, passing, passing NFL, but they exceeded mm -hmm. three D by 200 yards last year. And mm -hmm. so I guess my question would be, what would they have to do in addition to that to sort of have the same mythic stature as the three D Vikings of 98? Is there anything they could do to ever put themselves break on the that points pedestal? record? <laughs> yeah. Break the points record. I think you have to compare what that combination was compared to other three deep right other teams three wide receivers and see what that scale looks like compared to the rest of the nfl nowadays too so um yeah i, I that's interesting i just want to say first of all what a misconception by reed everybody you know flings out he had a thousand yard receiving season at at one point right during those two three years prior just to wasn't Moss, maybe the he was a thousand yards a year yeah got it yeah. okay <clears throat> Yeah, so and that team just had the unexpected element of the aerial attack, which was mm -hmm. pretty groundbreaking at the time. Um, these Vikings may, don't go about it quite in the same way. It's a lot more intermediate, a lot more underneath, and it's a lot more commonplace, honestly, because of the way the 98 Vikings and the 99 Rams reinvented the passing game. So it's harder to shock anyone yeah. with the passing game. Like, are these Vikings going to go and – exceed what we've seen in Kansas City these last five years? No way. So I don't think that they can necessarily become three deep in the sense that they change the NFL. But can they well, put up 3,000 combined yards? Yeah. I, I had yeah, a whole yeah. thing I, I had a whole Go thing ahead. in the history doc that I had to cut for time about how Randy Moss and Chris Carter specifically and Jake Reed, this this trio was the reason Tampa two got invented is when you ask Tony Dungy about mm. doing Tampa two in Tampa and him saying like, yeah, I took mm. cover two. And then I took some things from my time at the Steelers. And then I, this, it kind of morphed into what we now know as Tampa two. That was because he had to play Carter Reed and Moss twice a year. Um, so if, if we want that same mythos, we need like to make the Packers invent a new defense or something. This, this changed the league. It changed everything. And I'm sure if you era adjust back to the nineties, those yards start to look a lot more, like what we know them as um it was also different i mean those guys were bombs all day every day and these receivers have are doing a lot more there's a lot more scheme in it there's a lot more variability in it um they're not just going to live on randall cunningham or jeff george or dante culpepper 
hucking moon balls down the field and you know moss is down there somewhere there's a little bit more to it so i don't know if comparing these guys is i don't think they need to be compared to the old guys in purple i think they can be their own trio here's how you top it how about, Sam. everything has to yeah. be a little bit bigger better faster stronger you have four wide receivers and it wouldn't be a, a wide oh, receiver it, it would be irv smith so you have four weapons that you know amass you know whatever that number would be but everybody's over seven eight hundred yards or maybe 600 yards something like that i think that's how you end up topping it and get the new version the 2.0 version four score of and there you go four score already on it sam that's why they're the best mm-hmm. i i had the same thought if you bring irvin to the equation and then mm-hmm. you've literally got this unstoppable offense um i like that i like the four score why do we need to to recycle three deep um, we lost Arif Hassan. He probably had a great party foul. We'll never get to hear it, but we do have party fouls. Let's run that animation. I alluded to this uh, about a half an hour ago. I got peeved at the Vikings broadcast for not showing injuries. I don't think this is Paul Allen's fault. This isn't Pete Bursich's fault. I think this is a team decision. I think this is part of the the paranoia from the top down that injuries are going to be revealed. Although it is a little weird because KOC talks about them pretty openly. So I I don't know who made that call, but this is critical information, right? Like, can, can we have some transparency with really important players going down? Like Brian Asamoah is on the field. Okay. I don't know what's going on here. Uh, That, that, threw me for a loop a little bit that I mean imagine if that were par for the course in all NFL broadcasts think about what the gambling world would do think about what the journalism world would do that would just be a mess of speculation and bewilderment so party foul on on the Vikings broadcast uh really throughout this whole preseason I'm I'm gonna stick in the same injury realm can we just dump these preseason games it just hurts so bad to see guys go down before the season even starts. I get it. It's a part of the sport. It's always going to happen. It's inevitable. But seeing B.C. Johnson go down, uh, other teams like the Steelers, I think they lost Deontay Johnson, I think T.J. Watt. It happens every season, and it's just such a shame to see all those guys put in all that hard work, get up to the season, and then boom, all of a sudden, some of them, their careers may be over. B.C. obviously going to be a free agent now after this year. Who knows where he ends up landing, if anywhere, after this. So it's a shame. I'm going to throw in one other uh, minor one. Twins, Minnesota Twins, can you stop playing with our emotions? That's a party foul. You lose six in a row, then you go sweep the Giants. Three in a row, you give us just this little bit of hope. Stop it. Stop it. That's a party foul for me. Classic. How about the Giants pitcher for a walk-off walk on uh, Saturday, <laughs> which, which I was watching? No. Four straight pitches, four balls in a row. You can throw one Unreal. strike with the bases loaded. And, and by the way, Unreal. I looked at the, uh, the uh, division standings <laughs> over there. Uh, uh, I think the Giants are like 27 games back in that division. Is, is that even possible? <laughs> the Dodgers are awfully good. They're running away and hiding. That's for yeah, sure. you're right. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. Boy, rough weekend for you guys, huh? Uh, it's, it's the Oof. Matt Areza thing. Um, punt God got immediately milkshake ducked. That's uh, rough. I'm not going to go into the details of it on this show. Um, You can look those up on your own if you're interested or if you want to know more about it. But it's a bad situation, and it's very clear that the Bills knew about it, and we're just kind of hoping that nobody would ask about it. And then people asked about it, and then they immediately were like, oh, yeah, we'll totally cut him. That's for sure. 
this thing that this decision that we absolutely just made right now happened to coincide with all of the PR. It's very clear the teams at, uh, in these sorts of situations with uh, domestic violence, sexual violence, they only act based on what the best PR move is. They have no interest in doing the right thing. They have no in only have an interest in you thinking that they did the right thing and they're not very good at it. Um, rough time because the Bills were like the all vibes team and now it feels a little gross for a little while here. Thanks, Luke. Um, big Luke Braun opinions on Locked On Vikings five days a week. Locked On Vikings, uh, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Sports Minnesota for endless Vikings talk with local experts during this football season. Free and available on LockedOnPodcasts.com slash Minnesota or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Comment on the YouTube videos. Take all of those actions. It really helps other people find the show. So we would appreciate that. Tell our, all your friends about Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Luke and Luke, I'm Sam Ekstrom, at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, signing off on the Minnesota Football Party. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.